0: Well, we've been in a series of messages that we've been calling Summer Sunday School, and we've been looking back at some of the old stories in Scripture, kind of the stories that if you grew up like I did in a church Sunday school setting, these are some of the the famous old school Bible stories. And today we're going to talk about one of the most important characters in Scripture, and that's Abraham. Oftentimes we talk about Abraham as the father of the Jewish people, or we know him as a great person of faith. You find his story in Genesis chapters 12 through 25. Now, we don't have enough time today to go through all of that. And if you're not familiar with this story, then I'd encourage you to take some time and read it in the next week or so. But today we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, because in Hebrews chapter 11, the author of Hebrews gives us this unique synopsis and kind of an assessment of the life of Abraham. We're going to talk about Abraham. We're going to talk about his wife, Sarah, and we're going to see what it means to be a person of faith. Can I tell you right now, our world needs people of faith. Our world is in such a unique place right now as we are coming out of this kind of season of quarantine, the the coronavirus pandemic. We have challenges of racism. We have challenges of an upcoming election. There's so many things that are going on. And I want to call you to be a person of faith. Now, I'm not calling you to be a religious person, because to be honest, there's probably too many religious people in the world. And the reality is, I don't say person of faith like it's some kind of definition, because sometimes that's what you hear. People will say, oh, well, they're a person of faith. When I say a person of faith, I'm not talking about just a definition or just kind of some statistic. I'm calling you to be a person of faith as an action. Look at what this scripture says. James chapter two, verse 24. Now, this is when it's talking about the life of Abraham. And it says this, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. See, our faith calls us to be people of action, people who take our faith and put it into practice. I'm calling you today to be a person of faith. Dad, for your family, that you'll step out in faith. Parents, for your children. Neighbor, for your community. For those that you work with. For those that God has given you influence with. I want to call you to be a person of faith. And here's what faith says. Faith says, I will. See, so many times in life, I think we're quick to say, well, I can't, or I won't, or I'm not sure. But you know what faith says? Faith says, I will. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move forward in my life. And I want to walk through the assessment that the author of Hebrew gives us in in Hebrews chapter 11 of the life of Abraham and Sarah and see how through their life, we have a model of what faith does and what faith says. Faith says, I will. Here, here's the first thing that we see. Number one, faith says, I will obey. Faith says, I will obey. Now, let's look at this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, we read this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. It tells us here that Abraham was willing to obey, that he said, God, if this is what you have for me to do, then that's what I'm going to do. The part of this verse that always gets me is where it says that he obeyed and went. Because if, you, if you're familiar with the story, you know that Abraham originally lived in a place called Ur and he ended up in a place called Haran. And then after his father passed, God said to him, Abraham, I want you to leave everything that you know here. And odds are he, he probably had some status. He probably had some prosperity. And he said, I want you to leave everything that you have and I want you to go to a place that I'm promising to you. I want you to go to Canaan. Now, you know that we've been using this kind of old school flannel graph board throughout this series. And so it's, it's been kind of a tool. If you grew up in Sunday school like I did, before there was PowerPoint, before there were videos and screens that we could use, We use the flannel graph board. And this is our friend, Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham was called by God to leave where he was, say goodbye to where he was and say hello to a new place. And I love what it says here. It says that he did it even though he did not know where he was going. Do you have an even though kind of faith That you'll say, even though I don't get it, even though I don't know it all, God, I will trust in you. See, this is what obedience calls us to do. When I say through faith that I will obey, there's some things I have to keep in mind. See, obedience to God might mean goodbye to the familiar. When you choose obedience to God, it could mean that you're saying goodbye to what is familiar in your life. There's some things that God might want to change in your life. If you were to read through Hebrews chapter 11, and if you're not familiar with this passage of scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 is story after story of people who chose to respond by faith to what God was calling them to do. And in each one of these instances, as they responded to this, God helped them along the way. And here's what you see in almost every story in Hebrews chapter 11. There was a moment when God asked people to do something dramatic or to do something significant for him. And it usually involves some kind of change, some kind of goodbye in their life. The reality is when God uses someone greatly, he rarely lets them stay where they started. When God uses someone greatly, he rarely lets them stay where they started. He usually says, look, there's a change that has to happen in your life. Something significant needs to take place. And in Abraham's case, it started with him being willing to say goodbye. Let me ask you this question. What, what is it that you're maybe feeling like God is asking you to say goodbye to as we kind of exit out of the first half of 2020? Look, this year has been filled with all kinds of unknowns and surprises. And you, you may have spent some time in, in, in isolation or quarantine or away from work or away from school or... Your life's been different in some way. For some of us, I've talked to some people who have talked about how much their life has slowed down in this season. For others of us, I've talked to people who, who say their life has been so hectic in this season. But in all of it, what has God been showing to you? And the reality is there's, there's probably a priority or an attitude or, or a thought or a, an action in your life that God's calling you to say goodbye to as we look to kind of wrap up at the end of June, the first half of this year, if you're going to make that maybe a unique point in your life to say, God, I need to say goodbye to something. Are you willing to change? See, when Abraham left where he was to go to where God was calling him, he had to say goodbye to comfort, to status, to the familiar. It may be time for you to repent of something in your life and change It may be time for you to say goodbye to some practice or habit or relationship that God's speaking to you. Remember that when God uses someone, he often calls them to say goodbye in some way. And obedience to God might mean hello to the unknown. Obedience to God might mean hello to the unknown. Saying goodbye to the familiar and hello to the unknown. The question is, are you open to new things in your life? You know, I'm really excited to have Pastor Bennell on our team. And uh, one of the things that you'll probably learn about him is that his hobby or, or one of his things he collects are sneakers. He's he's a sneaker guy and he loves Jordans. They're Jordan tennis shoes. And he said to me when we were talking about um, him coming to be a part of our team, this goes back to April, long before we got into this, this season that we're in right now, back in, back in February when we first talked. And then in April, one of the things he said is, hey, when I come to Calvary, you're going to have to preach in a pair of Jordans. I was like, man, I'm not so sure about that. So he brought me a pair. These are some Jordan 11s, they're the Derek Jeters and uh, they're, they're actually super comfortable and I think I look uh, you know, super cool in them. This is not typically my footwear of choice, but here's the deal, I'm stretching a little bit. I'm trying something new because my friend entrusted something to me. If God entrusts something to you, are you willing to try something new? Are you willing to say, God, I'd be willing to say hello to the unknown in my life. I was reading the book of Proverbs the other day, and I came across this passage of scripture in the New Living Translation. It says this, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. And man, I've been that guy in my life at times. There's been times when I've just wanted to say, hey, look, this is my opinion. I know what I'm talking about. But instead of being willing to try something new, to go to a point of understanding, to be willing to understand how someone else thinks or be willing to say, God, I'm willing to allow you to bring a change to my life. If I have no interest in that, the Bible says I am a fool. Are you willing to obey, to maybe even change your mind on some things and say hello to the unknown in your life? Let's go to a second thing that faith says that we see in the life of Abraham. Not only does faith say that I will obey, but number two, faith says I will thrive. Now, this is really important. Faith says I will thrive, that I will be willing to look at my life and the situation I'm in and not allow the situation to dictate how I'm gonna respond and not allow the circumstance to affect who I am. Instead, I'm going to choose to thrive. We see this in the life of Abraham. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9 says, by faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. So let's go back to our high tech over here. And I'm going to put up a little tent back in the horizon that Abraham's living in. And you got to understand When it talks there about him living in tents, what that means is he was never settled in a land that God actually said will be yours someday. But he lived as someone who was on a journey. It says that he lived as a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents because it it showed that he wasn't permanent in that place. He was sojourning. His life was in transition. We'll see here in just a few moments. He hadn't even received the blessing he was waiting for. But here's what you read in the life of Abraham. He says, even in these places where I'm unsettled and it's unknown, and I have to live by faith, I choose to thrive. Look, this wasn't glorious. This was waiting. This was patience. This was perseverance. And why would he do it? Well, the Bible tells us this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. The very next verse says, for he was looking forward. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham said, I'm going to look ahead and I'm going to live life to the full and I'm going to choose to thrive. Now, look, he didn't get everything right. I'll let you read Genesis 12 through 25 and read about his story. Because along the way, Abraham had to learn about the things that maybe at times looked like faith, but actually were were not anything like faith at all. He had to struggle with certain things that I see myself struggle with, that I see some of you struggle with, that when I want to be a person of faith, there are other things that come in to distract or confuse. Let me give you a few of them. One is this, that fear is the crippler of faith. Fear is the crippler of faith. That if we let fear come into our lives, it will cause us to do things that maybe we even didn't believe we could. Like there's a story in the book of Genesis of, of how Abraham tells lies to try to protect himself and Sarah that instead of trusting God and stepping out in faith, he responds instead by telling some lies. And what happens is when fear gets to us, it causes us to do things that we might never think we would do. See, fear is the crippler of faith. Can I also tell you that impatience is the enemy of faith? Impatience is the enemy of faith. Now, this is tricky because oftentimes when we're people of faith, When we try to step out in faith, we believe that if I'm moving in faith, God is gonna move right away. And yet go through scripture, you see it in the life of Abraham. You'll see it in the life of Moses. You'll see it in the life of David. You're gonna see it in the life of Jesus. You're gonna see it in the life of Paul. That so many times steps of faith happen with long gaps in between. Sometimes God calls us to wait. Sometimes he calls us to live like a a stranger in a foreign land. And even if you're in a place of waiting, don't allow impatience to get the best of you because impatience, trying to force things through, is the enemy of faith. You can read in the book of Genesis about how Abraham tries to take God's promises into his own hands. It's the story of his son Ishmael. And you can read about that whole idea that impatience drives us sometimes to try to take things out of God's hands and put them into our own. And it's almost always destructive because impatience is the enemy of faith. Let me give you another one that I think is really key. That pride is the imposter of faith. Pride is the imposter of faith. I think we need to be careful Because sometimes what looks like faith is actually pride in disguise. You see this in in the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter four, it's the temptation of Jesus. If you're not familiar with this story that the, the devil takes Jesus out into the wilderness and he tries to tempt him in different ways. There's three kind of vignettes in this story that we see. And one of them reads like this, Matthew chapter four, verse five, then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. How do you like this? This is the devil quoting scripture. He says, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Do you see what the devil's doing there? The devil's saying to Jesus, hey Jesus, here's a promise from God's word. And if you really have faith, you'll claim that you'll move forward. You'll do something that looks to be unwise because you know you can trust God. See, God didn't tell Jesus to do that. That's the devil taking scripture, the devil whose downfall was pride. And based on pride using scripture, to try to motivate someone to do something that God never intended for them to do or something that was unwise. And watch what Jesus says, Jesus answered him. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When you're taking a step of faith, make sure that that step of faith is motivated by what you've heard from the spirit of God and not by your own motives or agenda or what you think is right. Because in those moments, that's not faith. That's pride. I mean, could I even say that's demonic pride? See, even scripture can be used at times in ways that if we're not listening to God's spirit, we'll miss out. And this is where I want you to see. If we look at this and say that fear is a crippler of faith and impatience is the enemy of faith and pride is the imposter of faith, then recognize this, intimacy is the fuel of faith. If you want to be a person of faith, if you want to be someone who thrives, it begins when you choose to have intimacy with God. See, the secret to Abraham's faith, more than anything else, he was a friend of God. He listened to God. He, he sought God. He obeyed him. He said, God, even in the places where you put me and I'm waiting, I will thrive. Know this, that faith without friendship is foolish. It's not enough to just say, I am a person of faith. It begins with this. It begins with relationship. James chapter two, verse 23 says this. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Think for a minute about who your, your best friends are. Where were those relationships forged and crafted? I'm gonna guess they weren't just in the good times, the fast times. I'm gonna guess that many of those friendships became deeper and grew. They they became more intimate, if you will, because of the slow times, because of the waiting times, because of the hard times, because of the times where you persevered together where you walk through some kind of challenge together. That's where our friendships, our strength, that's where those things are built. And the same thing is true in your relationship with God. Allow God to allow that to be born in your life. Become a friend of God and choose to thrive. Which takes us to the third thing that faith says. When faith says, I will, number three, faith says, I will trust. Faith says, I will trust trust. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 11 says this and by faith even Sarah who was past childbearing age was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise and so from this one man and he is good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. So we're gonna have Sarah come over here and join us now. This is Abraham's wife, Sarah. And one of the things that they were waiting for, God said, "Your, your children, your heirs will be blessed. And yet they didn't have any children. And they were waiting, and they were waiting. And yet it says of Sarah here that she considered him faithful, who made the promise that she trusted God even in the midst of the waiting. Look, I I know anytime we talk about faith, and I'm going to guess, especially in this season, there's many of you who would say, God, I'm in a place where I'm waiting. I'm waiting for answers. I'm waiting for clarity. I'm waiting for blessing. I'd even guess that maybe some of you, like Abraham and Sarah, are saying we're waiting for a child. I've known of multiple friends just during this last three-month season who have talked with me or shared with me about how they've either lost a child or they're praying for a child. Look, when we're waiting for something, for an answer, for a resource, for a promise from God, that is a tough place to be. And I could start listing all kinds of examples of what you might be waiting for The reality is, you know, in your heart, even as I'm sharing this, some of you are waiting right now. Can I give you just some advice? And and as you read the book of Genesis and you see kind of the path that even Sarah's life went through as she got to that place of trust, here's a couple of things I challenge you with. One, guard your heart as you trust in God. I want to challenge you to guard your heart as you trust in God. See, the reality is trusting usually means that you're waiting and it might take some time to see that relationship fall into place. It might take some time for that dream job to happen. It might take some time for that healing to come. It might take some time before you actually have that promise. And while you're waiting, guard your heart. Because during those waiting seasons, it can be easy to get jaded or cynical or frustrated or start to despair. During the waiting, during the trusting, guard your heart. What do you you mean, Chad, when you say guard your heart? Well, look at this. Proverbs chapter four talks to us about what that means. Look at this passage. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So you want to keep your, your heart, your relationship with God and others healthy. So how do you do that? Well, he says, look, keep your mouth free from perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips and let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you. And he says, look, part of guarding your heart is what you say with your mouth and what you focus your attention on. And so I challenge you, if you're in a a waiting and a trusting season, be careful what words come out of your mouth because those words that come out of your mouth not only bring life and death, scripture says, to others, but even to your own spirit. And so be careful what words come out of your mouth. Speak words of hope. Speak words of truth. Speak words of trust. Find friends that you can be honest with but guard your mouth so that your words stay words of encouragement and truth, that you speak life. And what are you focusing on? Be careful that you don't just focus on what you do not have, but that you trust in him, that you consider him faithful, who has promised, and believe that today's impossibilities are tomorrow's blessings. Believe that today's impossibilities are tomorrow's blessings. Do you remember what that passage said? It said that Sarah was unable to have children and Abraham, I love this passage, it says he was as good as dead. <laughs> like he, he, he was, when, by the time they received their promise, Sarah's 90, Abraham's 100 years old. And in the midst of that, we could say, well, that's just not possible. But see, we serve a God who does the impossible. But it took a long time before they got there. And remember that in the midst of today's impossibilities, God is working out tomorrow's blessings. That's where miracles come from. And in the end, we'll see what God was doing. But while we are there, will you trust him? Trust him for what, Chad? Well, last one, number four. Here's what faith says. Faith says, I will long for something better. Faith says, I will long for something better. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. This is a summary, right? So they're they're writing to us about Abraham and Sarah. Even speaks there of their son Isaac and their grandson Jacob. And as the author of Hebrews is summing all this up, watch what he says. All these people were still living by faith when they died. See, faith carries us through our whole lives. They did not receive the things promised. How's that for faith? They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. There were things that God promised to them. There were blessings that they were able to receive, and there were others that they could only see from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Watch what this passage goes on to say. It says, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, and I love this line, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. My question for you, as you look at your life, and dads on this Father's Day, as you look at the lives of your children, As you think about the future of our nation and of your home and your own legacy, are you longing for something better? Are you longing for something better? Look, in this story, what happens is after years of waiting, God blesses Abraham and Sarah with a son named Isaac. And Isaac is the answer to the promise. He's the one that God has promised them. It takes a long time to get there. But when you read the story, you see the beauty of what God was doing all along. Let me ask you this question. When you're you're driving down the road and you come across a construction zone, Maybe you're cruising down the highway and you have to slow down or you have to merge into a lane or you have to maybe even change the route that you'd normally go because roads are closed. When you come to construction, do you view it as a frustration or a blessing? True confession, it's usually a frustration to me. Usually I get to that construction and I'm like, "Ah, oh, man, I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta slow down, I'm supposed to be somewhere, whatever it is, until that construction's done. And then when you go over that new bridge, or when you have that wider, smoother highway, or when you see, oh, that's so much better, then you go, oh, I'm thankful for this blessing. Not during the construction season. Usually we're frustrated then. But when we get on the other side, we see the blessing. God is almost always working something out in our lives. And what if our perspective was not, I'm so frustrated by this construction, but God, I'm so excited for the blessing. See, God's working something out in your life. He's doing something. And just like Abraham and Sarah, can you welcome it from a distance? Can you drive through that construction zone of your life and say, God, I don't know even what you're doing, but I welcome it. God, I might not even ever see it, but I welcome it in my life. I welcome it from a distance because I know that you are building something better. See, here's the problem. What usually happens in my life is, is I'm set on getting what I want and not being open to what God wants to do, not being open to how he wants to work it out. Because so many times I view God as a part of what I'm doing instead of realizing that actually my life is a part of what he's doing. Well, let me share it with you this way. Are you willing to be a part of God's plan <laughs> or is God just a part of yours? Think about that for a moment. See, God's plan is so much bigger than you. God is working something out. He he needed Abraham and Sarah to see that what I'm doing through you isn't just for you. So my question to you is this, are you willing to be a part of God's plan or is God just a part of yours? Do you just look at God as a way to get your sins forgiven or, or to have your needs met or to find some kind of emotional fix in your life? See, God's not just there to meet your needs, you're a part of his great plan. Genesis chapter 12 is where we're introduced to Abraham. Watch what God says to him. Genesis chapter 12, verse one. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, Abraham was God's friend. And you see when you read Genesis, how God just blessed him and protected him. He even came alongside of him in in spite of Abraham himself. And yet the idea was, Abraham, I bless you Because through you, I get to bless the world. He wasn't just blessing Abraham for Abraham's sake. God doesn't just bless you for your sake. See, life is not about you being blessed, but about you living to be a blessing. Life is not about you being blessed, but about you living to be a blessing. In fact, for for me sometimes, and maybe even for you, sometimes I should just stop right here. Life is not about you, (laughs) It's about what God wants to do, not just in your life, but through your life. See, I believe that just like Abraham, your life has a purpose and it has meaning and God is trying to do something unique and special through you. So in this season, what if you could back up enough and say, God, instead of what seems to be right in my brain right now, what is it that you're trying to do through me? And God, what might you be doing in the construction zone of my life that isn't even about me? But that is something you want me to see from a distance that will not happen as a blessing in the life of my kids or my grandkids or in those around me unless I allow you to work through me to be a blessing. See, faith says, I will long for something better. I want to challenge you today what our world needs is people of faith, people who will say, I will. You know, it's interesting when you read the book of Genesis and even when you read what the author of Hebrews says about Abraham, you get this feeling, this sense that Abraham's whole story is about a journey. It's about a journey that he was on. And I'm going to guess that your life is in the midst of some kind of journey. For some of you, it's, it's coming down and saying, God, it's time for me to obey. For others of you, it's making a determination right now to say, God, even where I am, even if it's a place I don't want to be, I feel like a stranger in a foreign country. God, I'm going to choose to thrive here. For others of you, this is a season where you say, God, I'm going to trust in you. In fact, I'm going to guess probably for most of us, like Sarah, that's a place where we find ourselves. Saying, God, right now, I need to trust you with this impossible thing. And for many of us, Today's a day for us to say, God, faith in me says I will long for something better. Wherever you may be in that, today I want to pray for you. I want to pray in particular for those of you who maybe say, God, today I need to begin a relationship with you. Here's what's interesting. See, if you follow the line from Abraham to Isaac to generation to generation to generation, the Gospels tell us that eventually we get to Jesus. See, with the birth of Isaac, God already saw you in your salvation. And he was sending Jesus to be your savior, meaning the one who who died for your sins to give you forgiveness. And he was sending Jesus to be your Lord, your, your risen Lord, the one who gives your life meaning and purpose. And today, if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus or begin that again and find that meaning and purpose as we pray this prayer, I hope that you will put your faith and confidence in Jesus first. And for others of you, as as we close out in prayer, I wanna pray that God will help you to be a person of faith in the place where you find yourself today. Father, we thank you for your word. It speaks such life, speaks such truth to us. I thank you for the way that you challenge us. Father, I pray today for the one who by faith needs to say that they will obey. God, there's something that needs to change in their life or there's some way in which they need to enter into something new with you. God, would you give them the courage to obey? Father, I pray for those who feel like they're stuck in their circumstances or their situation. God, will you help them to thrive where they are right now? Father, I I pray for those, God, who in this moment need to trust you. They're waiting. Lord, maybe they need to guard their words or guard their focus. They need to guard their hearts because, God, as they're waiting, it's hard and it's difficult. God, I pray for those for whom it seems like they, they just can't hear you. God, I pray for those who are longing for something they haven't received. Lord, I pray in particular Like Sarah and Abraham, for those who are longing for a child that they've not received. Lord, would you help them? Would you bless them as they trust in you? And Father, we pray that you would help us to be people of faith. Who welcome from a distance the things that you want to do in our lives. That we would long for something better. And then God, we wouldn't just talk about it but we would act on it, that we would trust you and realize that you are not just a part of our plan, but God, you've called us because you want to use us to be a blessing. God, today we choose to be people of faith as we put our trust in you. God, would you bless us with your special favor and your wonderful peace as we entrust our lives into your hands.